TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome to The Connection, a weekly radio program where we share our experiences and expertise with stories of caring, courage, and change right here in Connecticut. Listen to learn about needed resources to improve your well-being and transform your life. Now, here are the hosts of The Connection, Lisa DeMattis-Lapore and Anne Baldwin. And good morning and welcome to another edition of The Connection here on WTIC AM 1080. I'm Ann Baldwin and my co-host, lovely co-host is here. Lisa DeMattis-Lapore from The Connection. No, Lisa DeMattis-Lapore, president and CEO of The Connection. Yes. Yes, let's get it right. Let's toot our own horns, man. I know, you're right. Nobody else does, right? Girl power. Girl power. Hey, Lisa, I got to tell you, we're getting so much feedback on this program. We really, really are. It's great. I'm getting Facebook mentions. I'm getting emails mm-hmm. from people who really appreciate the information that we share because we're very open and honest and talk about a lot of things. And I hate to start the show off on a, on a sad note, but I got to tell you, this week I went to a wake of a 32-year-old man who was the son of a photographer that I used to work with. And uh, it was one of the toughest things I've ever seen. Uh drugs, the battle, you know, and as I went into that wake and I said my prayers over that young man, if not for the grace of God, that could have been me. Yep. I get it. And such great parents, such a great family, Mm -hmm. um, blaming themselves, but you can't, you know, and that's what I tried to say to him. So hopefully when he, yeah, it was horrible. When it gets a little bit better, you know, I said, you know what, you got to take you got to take what you have now, and maybe together we can help more people. Yep. Before they end up, because you know they say when you're in recovery, right, you've got three options. Mm-hmm. Jail, death, and what's the third one? Institution. Yeah. Jail. Which is what we're going to talk about today. Because a lot of people, and I know from Mark, who we've had on this program, yes, that a lot of people that are incarcerated are in there withdrawing, in there because of you know, crimes that have been committed because of their addiction mm-hmm. or as a result of their addiction. And it's just, it's, it's just so sad, you it's know. It's so tragic. And it, it just, crosses all socioeconomic lines. Absolutely. It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't matter. You know, um, I think it just seems to be getting harder because of the opioid addiction and fentanyl and the things that we've been, even that we've been saying with overdoses, I think it was it last week, we had more overdoses in 24 hours. Luckily, everyone survived because we have Narcan mm-hmm. than we've had in a 24-hour period. And it's just so, and you know what the thing besides it just being so tragic is the effect that it has on so many people. I mean, it affects the community. It affects that person. It affects all of my amazing staff because mm-hmm. they're so committed and they enjoy, you know, they, that's why they come to work every day. And, you know, talking to the staff who call me and, you know, they feel somewhat responsible or what could they have done to avoid it. 
there isn't anything they could have done. And it's just when you're so dedicated and you believe in recovery like you do and I do, you know, to see this is just so tragic to think that people don't realize that there is another way. It's not easy. Oh, no. It's so hard, mm -hmm. but that recovery really works. Yep. And it, some people want it and they some people they can't. They don't want it. They don't understand what addiction is. I was really, really pissed off. I just wanted, and I'm going to, we're going to move on to our speaker. I saw this posting on, I know, folks, I am a junkie on social media. I will admit it. I saw something on Facebook that was, that was talking about addiction and that it's not a disease and people have a choice whether to do it or not. Oh, that made me so angry that I went on a rant on Facebook. I could not believe how, the, still the ignorance that exists in society to think that people just do it because... Really? Yeah. Let's get that person on the show. I, I mean, I'm ready for that oh, show, you and I. I wonder if they'd have the nerve to even do it. Forward me that. People are ignorant, but... That's why we've got professionals in the field and professionals like uh, Dr. Bandy Lee. Um, Dr. Lee is with the Yale School of Medicine, Law, and Psychiatry Division. And I want to thank you, Dr. Lee, so much for being here because, you know, you just heard our discussion. People are just ignorant. Uh, we need professionals out there like you. We need, you know, folks at Yale that are really looking into this. Um, you're an internationally recognized expert, not only on uh, violence, but you're trained in medicine, psychiatry at Yale and Harvard. Um, and medical anthropology, and you're also a fellow of the National Institute of Mental Health, and the list goes on and on and on. So credentials we have, and an expert we have. So again, Dr. Lee, welcome to the program. Welcome, Bandy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So what's going on? What, what are we doing in the state to address all these issues, and, and what does our audience really need to know as it applies to um, where we're at today? I think we're suffering from a lot of ills, uh, and uh, you're right in that we can't really blame just the individual or the families or, you know, certainly not the treaters who are actually doing a lot of good. We're in this work because we believe in recovery and because recovery actually works. Mm -hmm. But we also live in an ecology. In other words, we have uh, individual personalities, relationships, communities and societies, and therefore, uh, no matter how much we try on our own, if the social conditions are not there, if the community support is not there, then uh, things become increasingly difficult, as we're seeing right now. Mm. Uh, I have to say that nationally, we're going in the wrong direction, and so these epidemics are happening for a reason. We not only have an opioid crisis, we also have a violence epidemic, gun murder epidemic, and suicide epidemic. Um, and this is not just to bring you bad news. I'm in violent studies because I believe that this can be corrected and there are things we can do. In fact, the research shows that these things can be turned around rather rapidly, and we know what to do. There are a lot of uh, good research that is out there, uh, and we know of solutions. What we know about this is that violence is, uh, and, and I consider self-directed violence, which is uh, using substances, and, and you're right about what uh, one of the, um, I guess, commentators said uh, uh, about um, 
an, an addiction not being a personal choice. It is actually uh, a disease, and therefore, when a disease occurs, there are many things we can do to prevent it. There are very few things that are inevitable, and uh, we can also improve conditions to improve it. So if we just lay the responsibility on the individual, then then that's almost doomed to failure because for most conditions that we see, they are more social and uh, sociological when it comes to violence or or even suicide um, than they are individuals. So we have to focus more on that that aspect. In our individualistic culture, we often overlook that. But we're all interconnected, and and we can all do something about it. Well, and I think that's where the services like uh, you provide, Lisa, and your staff at The Connection, more importantly, um, are there for this. Exactly. Because everybody comes from a different situation. Everybody's broken, and you gotta f you got to use the right tools to fix it, right? So, yes, and we have been extremely um, blessed and fortunate to have um, Dr. Bandy Lee working at The Connection. Um, she uh, was previously our medical director and then took um, somewhat of a hiatus to write um, her wonderful books, which I, I want you to talk about, Bandy. And now she's um, coming back to the connection again, and we're going to be doing um, some more ongoing work with her. Um, but clearly, um, Bandy, I appreciate your passion for the work that you do and the research, but most importantly, your belief in the connection and the work that we do. And it has been um, pretty amazing um, work, you know, to just talk to you and for you to guide the staff and teach the staff. And we're going to be doing some additional trainings with Bandy also. We talked about having her involved in training with our staff um, because of exactly the things that we're talking about. Well, and, and Dr. Lee, isn't it true that you have to meet the person where they're at? You know, I'll use my recovery. I couldn't have done, I could not have done it by myself. I, I, first of all, I had family support. Second of all, the intervention and the medical professionals that got me to where I need to be. Thank God I didn't detox in a jail cell, which could have very easily happened. I mean, that was probably going to be the next step. So if I didn't have the right professionals around me, and even today, if I didn't have the right services, if I didn't have the meetings that I attend and the people that I associate with that keep me sober, I mean, I work at this every single day because that's all I've got, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's yes. so important. Yes, and it's 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 admirable and uh, correct for you to reach out to others, and we all have to work together. That's what I have found so admirable about the connection, and they do a great job. I was drawn to it, exceptionally drawn to it from the very start because it almost had all the things that I. Uh, was looking for that I felt that society needed, and uh, and and that's very true. It is it is very special. I have yet to find an organization that does what it does. In other words, it actually brings together under one rubric uh, the criminal justice services, mental health services, and family services all together. And uh, I think that's truly exceptional because, as you say, uh, a lot of uh, those suffering from dependence on substances actually end up in, in jail or in prison, and that's the most painful way 
to recovery if if they do recover. Um, and this is uh, this is really unconscionable because we know what the correct treatment is, and plenty of research has been done in this country. They've been exported elsewhere. They they actually practice it in in Europe and as far as in Africa. And whenever I go there, I see these wonderful programs, and I say, how did you come up with this idea? And they turn back to me and say, we learned it from you. <laughs> so why don't we utilize it here? What is it? What is that that you're we talking about? We have a very irrational system in that the politics do not uh, cohere with research results, with evidence, with what is sensible. And uh, and we actually have a counterproductive system in that currently we're doing exactly the things we're not supposed to be doing if we wanted to prevent suicides, if we wanted to reduce addiction, if we wanted to reduce gun violence. Uh, we're doing exactly the opposite of what we're supposed to do, and it's because of... Uh, uh, we have a political culture that does not draw upon research results and does not really look towards solving problems as much as uh, as much as uh, if you will um, maintain its own system. So, so that's one of the problems of many large institutions that institutions have come to focus on maintenance and and preservation rather than solving the problems at hand. But this is actually what the connection has been doing through its example. Because what I have noticed, and, and this has been really astonishing to me, as large as the organization is, I think you have like something like 600 different uh, uh, service centers, and, and you have managed somehow to keep it organic, creative, you give a lot of leeway to program directors to uh, to innovate in order to meet the needs of uh, of the programs. And as when it comes to the clients, you actually focus on the client, uh, the person, and the human being rather than their problem or which institution they belong to or which program. That to me has been really. Uh, Eye-opening. I've never, I, I've actually never encountered such a, such a, such characteristics in a large organization. And as you know, I wrote about it. Uh, two major articles have gone into the World Health Organization's journal special issues that I helped to edit, and they're going to have worldwide um, uh, exposure because in our meetings, uh, something like 130 different. Rep uh, countries send their representatives, and we talk about violence prevention. And these articles will be featured. Uh, the reason why I felt that that was important was because it is that special. And I feel that mm -hmm. uh, as difficult as the service provision may seem, and you're seeing a lot of overdoses and sometimes tragedies, this is also because the connection is taking in a lot of clients whom no one else wants. And in That's fact, right. uh, I, I think uh, a lot of uh, seriously ill or, or uh, very impaired 
clients are being turned away from many clinics because they're they're just overburdened. But we and won't do that. And this is a societal mm-hmm. responsibility as well. We as a society have neglected this population, which really doesn't have much of a voice on its own, and we've really failed to advocate for them. Yeah. But but you take them on, and you uh, face the risk as well as try to treat. So, Bandy, this we have uh, we've had this conversation before, and we recently had it when I saw you last week, and we had our meeting together. That we just we take the person for who they are. So nothing we we don't get scared too easily, right? You've seen it all, mm-hmm. or heard yes. it all. No, right? but we yes. don't. I mean, in I th- fact, you take the most the riskiest, we do. most violent individuals, even. But um, part which of that is very admirable. But I. Part of that is the that we know we believe in treatment overall with mental health and substance abuse, and domestic violence and homelessness, and all of those other um, issues that we treat, and we accept people for who they are. And I really do feel that the agency is not judgmental, and we 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 like challenges. We don't. It, does, it takes a lot to scare us, so we take on uh, clients that have these uh, horrific issues and. I'm happy to say that, again, you know, it doesn't work for everyone, but for a lot of folks it does. And this brings me to um, a thought that I just had, Bandy, which is our our staff every year uh, try to have a celebration of our clients, right? So we celebrate the successes that all of our clients have done. And this is probably the most favorite event that I can go to every year because it gives me a chance to see the clients. And, you know, we're talking about folks that, you know, are have made changes that to some folks they would think, well, why is that a big deal? But, you know, someone who has been severely traumatized and has severe mental health and had this horrific life who is positive and who gives back and who has something positive to say to the other clients or, you know, someone who is, is amazing, who draws amazingly or who's an artist and a photographer and all of these things. We have some of the, our clients' artwork, you know, posted that are, it's beautiful. And, you know, a lot of times when I'm standing up at the podium and I'm ready to hand out a certificate, the staff will start to tell me, whisper in my ear, sort of the history of a client and I, how I don't cry every time. And I think how they, the staff embraces the clients and how they build that connection is how people heal because every person has a right to be respected and loved and cared about. And we're okay to say that word love. Yes, we are. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you have to. If you're just tuning in, we're speaking with Dr. Bandy Lee, and uh, Dr. Lee has just um, rejoined uh, the connection, correct? Correct. And so it's great to have her back. And we should also tell our listeners out there, if some of this is resonating with you, you might want to jot down this website, which is theconnectioninc.org. A lot of information on the website, a lot of different services that are there. And you know what's interesting, too, is you might not need them now, but you might need them tomorrow or next week or right. next year. So, you know, it's very, very important. And, you know, you talk about, Lisa, the successes of some of your clients. You know, we've had them on the show. I know. We had the woman who had how many kids that that, that were taken from her? and right, um, four. Four kids. Four kids. Now she's in supportive housing. Right. She's got her kids back. 
Her kids are going, you know, on to amazing educations, um, are doing very, very well in school. We got to meet the kids. I mean, you can't make that stuff up. And if that doesn't resonate with people, what will? Right. And I think I told, I think I said this before, we, we had an orientation last week. One of the women that was sitting, you know, looked familiar, sitting in the, in the orientation that I, you know, I gave my little, you know, stint that I do as, as the CEO. And she said, do you remember me? And I said, oh, you look familiar. I went through your women's program 22 years ago. She said, I can't believe you're still here. I said, well, neither can I. But most <laughs> importantly, I'm so happy that you're here and we hired you as a case manager. Or maybe, you know, she went in the field. She's been clean and sober. She had her child who's, you know, in her 20s now. I have so many of those women. You know that's my love, right? The it passion, is, it the is. women and the kids. Yep. Uh, so even on my own Facebook, I'm friends, you know, friends, meaning, uh, you know, friends. Uh, uh-huh, I don't right. socialize, although I've taken some of them out before with their kids and met them. But I can't, you know, it's like I see this and I just, this is how I know it, it works. works. It works. So what is the message here, Dr. Lee? You know, I, I get a little frustrated sometimes, you know, because I feel that too many politicians look at uh, the opioid crisis as a photo op, right? Yeah. Or, you know, an opportunity for a quote or a soundbite. So there they are, you know, we know what the problem is, you know, politicians. We know what the problems are. But how can they help us fix them? You know, you can treat the individual, you can give them the services they need at the connection, but what are they going to do at a bigger level, at a, at a greater level, at a national level, and local level? That's part of their responsibility as politicians. It's not a photo op until you fix it. That's right. So are you... As- I think we Go need ahead. to uh, engage them more, and one of the reasons why I went from being simply a clinician and an academic to being more of a policy-oriented, policy-involved activist is because I do believe it's important for policymakers to be involved with researchers, with practitioners, and to be more informed and educated in in what we do and what is involved. Uh, In Ireland, for example, I gave uh, a summer school lecture once, and there was an official from the local public health services office, a a politician, and he invited me back. And uh, we had lengthy discussions, after which he changed some of his policies based on what I spoke with him about. I've been involved in the Institute of Medicine discussions where policymakers do show up, but they tend to be minor politicians without a lot of power. And what we need to do is have the mainstream major politicians, national level politicians and lawmakers to be involved in educating themselves to have the scientific knowledge and evidence and practical information about what the actual implementers and practitioners are doing in order to shape their policy, because politics is actually very important. Uh, Rudolf Virchow of uh, Germany in the 18th century said that politics is but medicine at large, <laughs> which means that what we do at the political level does a great deal to heal society through prevention, through setting up systems, and that can actually save many more lives than, than trying to treat one person at a time, which is, of course, important. 
uh, and, and essential, and we need to bring that knowledge to the larger scale, but we cannot neglect the larger scale. Absolutely. And, you know, the other thing is the media's responsibility. You know, um, mm-hmm. they're the first to report on the epidemic. They're the first to report on the tragedy that's the result of all this. But why not help us share some of the solutions and, sh- and share some of the tools and share some of the, the science and the results that are out there to, fi- to try to fix it? I mean, you're not going to fix it overnight. It didn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's right. what's frustrating, too, for me is, yes. is just, yes. you know, the lobby behind some of the stuff that, you know, whether you're talking about the violence or whatever it is, there's, there's heavy lobbies in all these areas that, you know, mm-hmm. mo- money speaks louder than evidence sometimes. Yes, that, that's certainly a, uh, an aspect that needs reform. And, um, and the national discussion, too, needs to get deeper than just reporting on the sensationalized results. Exactly. Uh, because we know the causes. We know better than ever with better information, better data, better research methodologies. We actually know what's going on and what will prevent it and what will worsen it. We have all that information in abundance. We just don't make use of it. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, getting people like Dr. Lee and in, in, Dr. Bandy Lee in front of these people and in these conversations, you know, you talked about you did it in Ireland and you've done it all over the country. Uh, you know, what about us? What about Connecticut? You know, yes. how, how do you get in front of those people and influence those people or at least be the go-to expert, right? So when they have mm-hmm. questions or they need information, exactly. get it from the source that spent their whole life doing it, studying it, writing about it. What better way it's, to get your it's, info? It's extremely hard to um, s- look at research that's been done at this extensive level and say that it's false. Yeah. I mean, the research is the research. And so, to me, there's the evidence that talks about why, you know, certain forms of treatment work because we know that it does. So if we know that it works and it's been studied and we have the data, we need to follow it. Right. 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 So. And the connection has been great in terms of involving always incorporating research uh, alongside its programming and and its excellent practice. And that's, that's how things should be. We should research what we practice and practice what we learn from the research, and it really has to be an ongoing collaborative effort. Agreed. So, um, Bandy, we have just a couple of minutes left. Anything else that you wanted our listeners to hear that we didn't talk about yet? Um, I think you mentioned uh, well. You mentioned the, uh, uh, the the client day or picnic, is it? Um, and involving clients in treatment itself, in in service delivery, uh, which the connection is doing through its peer uh, through its peer program, and of course it's it's um, it's a program that allows the client to be empowered and also use their special knowledge of lived experience, of, the, of overcoming great adversity, um, to be of service to others, uh, which, is, which is an incredible program, which we thought was significant enough to put into a book. And so one of the projects I will be pursuing in my new appointment is to edit this book uh, which will involve some of the top scholars in the nation, but also a lot of the peers within 
the connection and uh, and program directors and and so it, it will be a very exciting project mm -hmm. for well, me and this is our and new project right well we'll out. have to have you back on when that is complete because you know you're right people need a purpose and there's nothing like peer-to-peer -peer reinforcement and support you know to be around somebody that's been there done that um, is you know is just priceless. So and to give kudos to people who yeah, you know make exactly. accomplishments and what you know sometimes the little steps are the big steps. You know and I and Bandy has Bandy you have brought so much um, to the connection and to such meaning to the work that we do because we do it's easy to get really caught up in the day to day but having you come in and you know really take a look at what we do has been really amazing. So thank you so much for your continued efforts with addiction and violence and um, criminal justice and all the things that you do. And um, we will ha we're going to have you back on the show when the book comes out. So we're excited about that. Yes. So yet another thank book. You. Yes. Yet thank another you so book. Much. Thank yes. you, Dr. Lee. We really do appreciate it. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to this edition of The Connection right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. platform with something for everyone news in order to secure convictions in a court of law it is essential that we conclusively sports that clock at four Donchich. the step back three you bet. music you set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts whatever you love hear it right here on tune in go to tune in.com or download the tune in app to start listening